Hello, all you beautiful Pies fans, and thank you for tuning into Pie Hard, the cultural commentary podcast all about Collingwood. Feels like a bonus episode, really. Not too many out there had us down for episode 19, but here we are, and as always, with lots of juicy Pie Hard news to chew on. As for the Collingwood Football Club, we've got confidence, momentum, and a game plan that actually works. Strap in, you beautiful specimens, because it's 2018 all over again. This is Pie Hard. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. One's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. He's going to have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable in the cell. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut shutter. Hello everyone, I'm Damien Miller and as always joining me is Jay Tarabo. Welcome Jay. Hey boys. And Alex Watkins uh, joining us again for a very special uh, semi-final edition of Pie Hard. Hello, Alex. Surprising to be here and feels pretty good. <laughs> now, you were, you were saying earlier, Turbo, that uh, your plans are, are up in the air at the moment. Oh, look, you know, I'm extremely happy. The rest of the family, eh, not so much. Uh, we did have a holiday planned within a five-kilometer radius of, our, of my house. <laughs> cancelled so uh everyone is furious you know i told my wife i was like it's the last podcast of the year don't worry i'll give you some extra time and here we are so let's just get it over with you know hopefully we win again and if we don't well i'll be winning in other areas so strong 2010 vibes there with the uh the la the vegas uh the vegas trip postponed not indefinitely but for at least another week uh which leads us in to uh let's just start let's just start at the top let's let's do a bit of a wrap on the elimination final look the win against west coast will go down as one of the finest uh in the modern era and single-handedly torch the notion of 2020 being an asterisk season now it was a game full of moments there was the the first quarter heroics uh, by a supercharged and informed Mason Cox. We had the Maynard and Ryan box office stoush all throughout the game, which we love on Pie Hard. I think any uh, any theatrics, uh, you know, that that players can can exhibit on a field to uh, demonstrate that they have at least a couple of brain cells and a personality, we love to see. Oh, the emergence of Noble. Noble's uh, clutch set shot. We'll, we'll talk about that. Dugowie's running goal on his opposite. Dugowie's snap. Majacek's freak goal. Tay's smother. All that and more. But we've managed to try and distill some of the excitement uh, into uh, into a couple of categories. The categories we're going to we're going to call for the uh, for the ease of our uh, our listeners out there and for our audience. We're going to have our uh, our hard ons. Now, our hard-ons are the, uh, are the moments from the match that got us most excited. And then we're going to have the flops. And the flops, uh, you know, anything that popped up, it can be the week leading up to the game as well. It doesn't have to be necessarily in the game that had us uh, slightly flaccid. Now, I'm going to start with you, <laughs> Alex, to, tip, to, to kick this one off. And I'm very excited to see where this uh, segment goes and also to bask in the glory of a win because we've all watched the uh, replay several times, but I don't think that's enough. So take it away, Al. What were you? What, what was getting you hard uh, in uh, in last week's match, Damien? Even your top line description of those highlights, I started to feel uh, a little tension in the um, the pantaloons. Um, it almost sounds like there was a whole season's worth of highlights just jammed into that one game. In fact, I think that was exactly what happened. The pies. <laughs> Didn't produce a lot of highlights during the year. They saved them all for the first final. Let's hope that we've got a couple more um, on standby for the rest of the final series. But I don't know about you boys. I reckon you can rate how big a Collingwood win is just 
based on how many footy shows you watch after the game. If you watch the replay, you watch yeah. like a replay like 24 hours later, it's a big win, right? If you watch the replay and either footy classified and or AFL 360, that's a huge win. But if you watch the Sunday footy show with Tony Jones, that is a win for the ages. And I tell you what, I tuned into the Sunday footy show with Tony Jones. So I. Yep. I put, put myself through that. Um, I just couldn't get enough of the footy media this week. As all pies could attest, um, it was something special. As someone who hasn't, sorry, I was someone who hasn't watched the uh, Sunday footy show for at least 14 years. What, what's, <laughs> they still got loose handball? It's, I don't they, know whether they do. Do they do the handball? I think, I think um, they did no. last year. I genuinely I don't, don't mind, know. I don't mind the Sunday footy show. I, I do watch oh, it. Oh my God. I even watch the uh, that, that horrible Sydney sports show that's on after it just to see what they said about the game. Oh, the Sunday footy show is just relentless called. hazing between these yeah. like old, decrepit, like Billy Brownless it's, types. And Tony Jones, the, how he ever made a career in the media. Uh, no offense to our friends over at community radio, uh, community TV, but uh, when you are switching on to channel 31 uh, for a couple of their, uh, their footy shows, I think there's one called the EDFL finals. That's when we really are dredging the, uh, the barrel of the football media, but we can't get enough. Thankfully in the modern era, uh, it's basically inescapable. There's just uh, Collingwood news being pumped through the pipes 24 seven, which we love. Well, Turbo. speaking of 31, Mangrook is one we actually miss. Mangrook was actually one of the better footy shows on television, but we're stuck with people like Robbo and Tony Jones and Kane Corns. And mm. I mean, it's not a illustrious um, list of, of of media personalities these days. But anyway, we've we've diverged from the the purpose of the question was um, what, <laughs> yeah. what what the hard on was <laughs> of the week. I can tell you, boys, that um, I feel like Priapus. The minor Greek fertility god, protector of livestock, <laughs> fruit plants, gardens, and male genitalia. That's right, Priapus, he had a permanent erection. And this week, my erection has been permanent. Uh, in fact, so permanent, I found it very difficult to whittle it down to just one hard-on. <laughs> so I've got, I've got three. You've got multiple hard-ons. Multiple hard-ons. Speaking of which, cocks. <laughs> Divulge us. It wasn't just the three goals that stood out to me, boys, it was what I really loved about it was his body work. And I, to me, that says that the big boy is learning. And I think sometimes we're tempted to forget that he is still relatively new to the game. And when these big types come in, even the, the guys that have grown up with the game, we always say, like, you know, the taller they are, they, they get to their mid-20s, even their late-20s, they start to blossom. Like, they're, they're late developers. The bigger you are, the later you develop. I reckon with Cox, like, I just saw him literally put body on McGovern a couple of times and, like, remove, and he did it with Barras, I think, as well, remove the defender from the equation by asserting himself. And I just see, I see that as a sign that he's learning. So that was my first hard on was, was Mason Turbo. No, I just, I mean, you know, I mean, big men, you know, they normally get to their third club before they kind of start becoming any good. Um, it's a rare, it's a rare breed that of big men that stays at one club, but I agree. I mean, for me, it was the timing as well. Like, I mean, Collingwood don't lose when Cox kicks three goals in a quarter, you know, so the start and then it happened again and then it happened again. You know, it was like mm. from thinking you're watching a game because you're doing the right thing and you, your club's going to, you know, put in a valiant effort. But after, after that, you, I was like, okay, this is something's happening here and this isn't meant to happen. And, and, uh, and I like it, you know, and, and I mm. watched the game commando style so I could go full, full boner blaze. So. <laughs> what a sight. My second hard on from the elimination final and Damo, you touched on it in introduction, was what I like to call the game within the game. And most weeks, the bigger the game, the bigger the game within the game. And there's always one star actor. And I think if I describe him like a cartoon character, like almost like a caricature where every effort and every kind of bristle of his his muscular torso and desperate lunge is kind of played out, <laughs> amplified, He's kind of like the opposite 
of the laconic looking player. You know, there's those players who have been criticised over the years for, for just not looking like they're trying hard enough. Well, Braden mm, Maynard yeah. is the opposite. And the game within the game, we all saw it play out, was Maynard versus Liam Ryan. And I, what I will say, the interesting thing about this is you probably wouldn't say that Maynard won the battle. But just from a pure, pure football point of view, like watching that play out, I just loved the theatre of it. And I must say exactly. that Liam yeah. Ryan, like he's just a legend as well. Like the, he mm. is such a watchable player and I love watching those two go at it. So that was my second hard-on of the elimination final. My third was Majacek's last quarter and I think, my take on this is it's come mm. at a very good time for him. Majacek has been underappreciated from a financial, you know, list mm. contract perspective. And if you think about if we had have gone out, um, been been knocked out of the finals uh, on Saturday, and perhaps Majacek didn't have the last quarter that he did, he's really competing against the likes of um, Dugowie and Moore in this off-season to get re-signed. Mm. And he's been on this rubbish rookie contract. I just think it was really good timing for him. He deserves a really genuine um, deal and it's going to be tough, a real challenge for Ned Guy in the off-season. I hope that the latest version of Excel <laughs> comes with um, brown pepper bags because trying to sign them all up, keep them at the club is going to be a challenge. But Majacek, great last quarter. It, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that... Um, he, he won us the game at the death, in my opinion, and just great to see a really hard-working unit, someone who isn't always um, appreciated for, for the kind of skills he has, um, come through with some incredible finishing. Turbo? The other thing with my check, you wouldn't know that he's on a bargain basement contact, uh, contract because the commentators never mention it. Every time he touches the ball, the commentators are like, ah, oh, working class, you know, playing for cheap. Crushing. Whatever. Give him a contract. It's, it's, if you were, if I was him and I was listening to watching the replay like five times, like we do, and hearing the commentators every time hear that he's this bargain basement player, uh, yeah, you'd, I'd get pretty annoyed at it too well a great insight alex because uh bargain basement no more he's going to get the bag after that performance the the hope is that collingwood are the ones dishing out the bag but if not he's going to get a bag somewhere else so i think uh we are a an equal opportunity uh podcast at pie hard and whilst we would we don't want my check to go anywhere we want the kid to get we want the kid to get the money uh, we want we want fairness and equality in pay mm -hmm. and brilliant point. Like before that game, maybe squeezed out. This time he's 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 got some chips at the bargaining table, which I loved. I had I had a hard hard on, mm. um, and that was goals, goals. We've we've spoken about this so many times on Pie Hard throughout the year, and it just has felt like. There's been periods of times during the game and quarters where we'd go goalless or you just didn't know where, where, where a goal was going to come from and set shots going awry. Not only were we kicking accurate, the goals were superb. You break down this game of ours and it's really, really simple. It's just kick, just kick goals. And for whatever reason, <laughs> more points it, than the other team <laughs> and more points than the other team that helps. But the, the titillation that Nathan Buckley has shown, could this have been deliberate? Could this have, is Amazon prime or someone filming this season? And this has been a deliberate narrative approach mm. to completely bastardize the home and away season underperform play players out of, um, out of position, make some dubious choices at the selection table, knowing that the, the chances are a game's probably going to elude and then flick the switch, turn it on, make sure the cameras are omnipresent, make sure there's interviews and documentary content being, um, being yeah. collected by the second for some kind of celebratory DVD package uh, I mean, it could be, you know, it could be some kind of merchandise thing where, you know, for 50 bucks you get, you know, the cut up piece of jumper with a DVD. But it just feels to me like Nathan Buckley has just been sitting on this, uh, this plan mm. all along. Um, so that was my hard, hard on goals. I also had a moderate hard on, um, no, sometimes known as a half mongrel. And that was Josh Dacos. Now, 
We have been on this Pie Hard podcast looking at our our elder statesmen in the midfield, uh, our side bottoms, but more importantly, our Pendlebury's and going, time is running out for this man. We are coming up to an intersection with Scott Pendlebury where we are not going to have him in the team anymore and his composure and his class and his poise and his skills are going to be, we are, that's going to take years to recover from. There's no, you know, it'll take three to, to fill that gap. We have the next Scott Pendlebury mm. in Josh Dacos. Josh Dacos at such an early age is showing us exactly what we saw in Scott Pendlebury as a young kid. He kicks goals. He rarely gets tackled, very low center of gravity. More importantly, like he creates that time when he gets the ball. Uh, it just we're starting to see the emergence of Josh Dacos. Uh, we, we've been we've been big fans of Josh Dacos ever since uh, Ned Guy uh, gave us a call and said he'll surprise you. <laughs> um, but but what we haven't really considered is that Josh could potentially fulfill that role in the midfield that we've been looking for. So I know it's getting a, slightly a little bit ahead of ourselves, but geez, the more we see. Mm. Um, let's not confine this kid to a wing. Let's let's get him in the guts where we actually need him. It's so true because Penderbury didn't get a lot of possessions in his first three years in the league. Like, I mean, and everything that he got was was sexy and classy, um, but but he wasn't getting a lot of the ball. Uh, it took him a few years to come on. So yeah, they are definitely uh, on the same uh, trajectory. Um, my hard on um, was a bit of luck. Because uh, think about it, we were so accurate. I had accuracy as a hard-on as well, but mm. Dugowie kicks that goal. Majacek kicks that goal on his on his left foot. Um, just everything seemed to go right. And I loved the pace, the pace that we played at. We, mm. were, we, were, we were, you know, moving the ball on. We were, we seemed confident. Uh, we weren't slow. We weren't sludgy. It was it was amazing. Mm. Demo, you could say this hard on wasn't shooting blanks. This was this was dead. It's a real deal. Material. This was this was yeah. This was on point. Four week pregnancy again. Again goes back to this notion. Like where has this come from? Like where? Obviously, clearly, this side is capable. We we've known that from the get go. Has it just naturally, has it just taken us a shit ton of games to finally get this together? Or have we seen a seismic shift in the, in the, in the back halls of, uh, of the Twin Waters, the lovely Twin Waters, the lovely four-star Twin Waters up there in Maroochydore that's, um, yeah, I mean, well, that's probably, let's, let's, let's probably leave the hard-ons for, for now. Let's, let's talk about some flops. Mm. Let's, get, let's get some flops going. So who, who's got a flop they'd like to share? Well, I mean, you know, we, Brody Grundy would probably be the only, I guess, questionable player. I mean, only because the spotlight's on him so much. But, you know, just them starting, when, when they started Cameron in the third quarter and then again, Cameron again in the last mm. and with a minute to go. Like, I mean, I obviously everyone's like they were sharing the load from their hard-ons and, and whatever, but it did seem like... Uh, you can't help but, you know, raise a bit of a question um, over over Brody, who was getting towed up. I thought he actually played okay in the last quarter. He had that huge tackle on Darling where he just ragdolled him. Mm. Um, so there were some positive signs, but um, and to be honest, I wouldn't even be surprised if if Cameron gets dropped. You know, mm. um, because Geelong are a different different beast uh, compared to West Coast. But, I mean, that would be the only flop uh, for me or, or the only question um, around the game, you know, a game that was full of positivity. We, we, it's, it's an interesting flop. We were talking about this earlier and we were saying, you know, we're quite satisfied at the moment with Brody Grundy just competing, just, you know, just do the bare minimum, just run into the other guy and just hold your hand out. You don't worry about it. You might, you might tap it. You might not, but just, just be there in the middle. 
compared to 12 months ago where this guy was, um, was toweling up uh, Braden Pruce as the uh, number one ruckman in the competition, <laughs> all Australian um, plaudits, seven-year multi-million dollar deals, and it's just clearly the guy's injured. Um, it doesn't, doesn't take an insider or, or um, another podcast to, to realize that, but just, it's just, yeah, I wasn't that, I wasn't that unnerved when I saw Cameron in the middle because basically they're, 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 they're almost on par at the moment in terms of, in terms of their rucking ability, which is, uh, which is a very interesting point. Alex? I think that Brody is definitely the victim of his own standards to some degree. He's playing right now as a, as a really, Strong, Ruckman, a good presence around the ground. Took a couple of late marks, which I thought were exceptional. Um, but I think it shows more Cameron's kind of come on and he does have some strings to his bow, Cameron, and I think he does have the potential to be a very good contested mark. He showed glimpses. And in those Ruck contests versus Nat Nui, he was just able to halve it a couple of times and of course, Nat Nui also slaughtered him a couple of other times. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm just loving having that tall side. We'll touch on it later when we talk about Geelong. But this tall, this five blokes <laughs> over 200 centimeters. I mean, this is un- this is unusual, and um, it's foreign territory for us. And for some reason, it just gives me confidence. It's like when you've got a really tall mate at the pub, like a really massive, yeah, you know, mate, and <laughs> you just feel like you know protected somehow, protected by the big. Big swinging Darcy. Sorry, Alex, but I think your flop's turning into a hard-on. <laughs> I think, I think we, uh, I think, I think I like it. I like where you're going with it, and I agree 100. percent But we are, we are flopping at the moment. I'm, I'm just glad. So maybe we've got the, we, I'm glad we've got the video off for tonight. You know, I, I know, I know, I know. Let's not, let's not, let's, let's not do pie hard after dark. I don't think our uh, our fans out there in the in the landscape are ready for that. But w- did you have a flop, Alex? Just uh, out of interest. I'll be honest. I've got about a page of notes on hard ons, and then it just says flop. Colon, <laughs> and it's a blank white space. I can't even bring myself. I think oh, look. we've had so much negativity all season. Some would say mm. that we've possibly at times been too negative. Um, mm. The asterisk season, and we felt a bit down. But it's been a season of ups and downs emotionally for everyone when you factor in COVID mm. and the unusual circumstances. And I thought I'd share with you guys just a bit of fan mail that we received during the week. Not sure whether you guys have seen this yet, but no. one of our fans, George from Melbourne, says, Pie Hard fans will enjoy your grovelling climb down from your faithless performance last week. Sands, Pebbles, Buddha, et al. The team, yes, the team, rose through the excrement to a dirty victory. So that's from George's... <laughs> wow. Bit of a tongue tie, but mm. I feel that <laughs> He's a you know, poet. perhaps George the poets. <laughs> if we kind of do think back to last week and just over the season in general, perhaps mm. there has been a bit of negativity reigning at times. And all I can say as way of an apology is, um, I think it's a coping mechanism. So if you're listening for the first time, just ignore every other podcast from from this year and start with this one and don't look back. Fire <laughs> right. out the positive podcast. Now, if you're not engaging with Pie Hard on socials like 1990 Premiership hero Mick McGuane is, then get on board before it's too late and we take a well-earned break from feeding the beast. You'll find Pie Hard's unique takes on all things The Mighty Magpies on Instagram and Twitter at Pie Hard Podcast. One word, do it. Okay, on to the next segment. Uh, and we are looking at... In, the, in light and in, in, in the spirit of our winner against West Coast, the greatest upsets of all time. So where exactly does the Pies' victory over West Coast fall in the pantheon of great upsets? We dusted off the history books this week to look at some other famous upset victories and see how the Pies' win in the West stacks up. Now, who's got a uh, greatest upset of all time they'd like to share with us? Maybe I'll start with you, Alex. Mm. It was very interesting researching underdogs and upsets this week. Um, the one that comes to mind in a football sense is the Bulldogs, uh, which is not my chosen one, but I think that that mm. does deserve a mention in the Pantheon, as you said. Other ones mm. which um, I, I had a special uh, affinity for, um, Leicester City winning the EPL was a terrific story, um, and these mm. are mostly sporting ones here. 
the Greek mm. the Greek Euro champions of 2004. I remember being in in Europe in Greece at the time and not being able to buy a Greek mm. a Greece uh, Guernsey if that's what you call them soccer shirt <laughs> mm. because they sold out. Um, I remember that. Had a look at Jai Tarima. Now, whilst Jai didn't oh. win the gold, I've always loved Jai's um, story. If you if you recall, he was the bloke mm. who eat KFC and smoke a pack a day, mm. and said that you Jumping know long dry. jump wasn't that difficult. You just have to run fifty meters and jump. <laughs> but of course, all yes. these um, all these famous stories of uh, underdogs from years gone by pale in comparison. To one Robert Kearns. You folks heard of him? <laughs> no, Robbie oh, Kearns. He, oh, hang on. Is player? Yeah, this is, I, I think I know where this is going. This is this is a nautical vibe, right? Uh, not far off. It's kind of mechanical, okay. I suppose, or uh, it's got an engineering kind of bent to it. But Robert <laughs> Kearns, not the um, not the rugby player. He was actually a teacher at Wayne State University in the sixties. And to cut a long story short, um, or at least medium, he um, he invented the intermittent windshield wiper. Ooh. Now, before Kearns came along, wipers only had two settings, steady rain and heavy rain, so nothing in between. He invented wipers with multiple speeds, simple, brilliant, and patented for his exclusive use. But in comes the big, the big powers that be, Ford, and Chrysler and steal his invention. Now, Robert Kearns wasn't going to take this lying down. He took them to court, claiming that his designs were his and his only, and basically suffered a mental breakdown because of the stress <laughs> of it all. He of declared course, understandable. War- yes, he declared war on the auto industry. In 1978, <laughs> he took Ford and Chrysler to court. Uh, he used his own kids as paralegals. And he had paperwork, legal paperwork all over the house. His wife divorced him, but he persisted. And in 1990, famous magpie year, finally he overcame the evil powers that be and was awarded $10 million from Ford and $21 million from Chrysler. But he wasn't satisfied. He wanted to create, he wanted to open his own windscreen wiping uh, factory. So he spent his winnings on new legal representation promptly lost the uh, next case and um, was never heard of again. So Robert Kearns, <laughs> he's my underdog of the week. During his nervous, during his nervous breakdown, do you have uh, little windscreen wipers in his tears? Some pretty heavy research going on there, Al. Yeah, I like where you went with that one, Al. That's, um, that's excellent. Shout out to Robbie Kearns' uh, family if they're listening. Um, get in touch with us on the socials. Let us know, uh, let us know how much of that coin's left. It doesn't sound like there's a lot. He did have six children. Um, but anyway, Turbo, what have you got in the world of underdogs? Well, I mean, one that's still yet to play out is uh, is Big Jack versus Big Mac. Um, but that one's coming soon, and I think we'll save that one for next year. Um, but uh, I've gone through the history books uh, to a sport that we all loved for... Oh, 20 minutes, half an hour? No, maybe like a couple of weeks. And I've gone with the America's Cup in 1983, um, mm. which was famously won by Australia. Um, I mean, I was too young to kind of remember, but but it's it's an amazing history that uh, they were undefeated for 151 years wow. until um, we went over to the Newport Yacht, a New York uh, yacht club in, in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, and we were actually down, we, you know, my team, we were down three, one, um, in the races and we came back from three, one, it was the best of seven, mm-hmm. uh, to win four, three. Um, and it's funny because, uh, in the aftermath, they interviewed Bob Hawke, uh, and the race was on uh, early in the morning and they asked him uh, if it was going to be a public holiday. And his response was, well, that's up to the States. But uh, he also then said, uh, any boss who sacks a worker for not turning up to work today is a bum. So that's our um, prime minister uh, saying that. But, uh, I mean, it's quite a fascinating story. Uh, they did, and you know, the game was played in Perth. So I was thinking about the Perth Yacht Club, of course. Um, in the 1987 Cup, it was which was in Perth. They got wiped four zero. So, mm. 
uh, couldn't do it back to back, but uh, I, yeah, I didn't realize that um, that it had been 151 years. And apparently, even the loser, the losing American team, whilst they were disappointed and and shocked, uh, they actually, in the end, were quite happy because it brought the sport of yachting uh, into the mainstream um, because it got a lot of press. So, what was that it was about? Mine, um, right? What was it about yachting that? was so difficult to compete with the Americans on? I mean, is it just the pure technology and kind of water dynamics and money involved? I just don't understand how they could dominate that sport for over a century. I don't I don't know, but it's quite strange now because like the next America's Cup is in New Zealand and it's New Zealand versus Switzerland and Switzerland don't even have a coast. So... Um, <laughs> Since <laughs> since that loss, uh, they have waned a bit, and it's mainly mainly you know it's been Australia, and New Zealand. The Italians are in there a bit, but they have never won. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know at all. Don't know. Demo, can you shed any light on what you're a bit of, you're you're a bit of you're a man of the water, aren't you? A yachtsman? No, I actually have no idea about sailing at all. The Bertrand of Piehard. <laughs> Business, I know a little bit. A business I know a little bit about, and that is where I have gone mm-hmm. with um, some famous underdog stories. So I've been looking at underdogs in the business world, and I wanted to just uh, run a couple past you. The first one is a little uh, computer company called Apple. Now, um, Apple was established in 1976 um, by college dropout Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. There was a third guy who sold out, but we, we don't, he's, he's erased from history. We don't talk about him. But interestingly, a computer competitor, uh, Dell, you've heard of Dell. Their CEO, Michael Dell, once said that if he owned Apple, he would shut down the company and give shareholders back their money. Mm. Thus was the... Um, Thus was his uh, expert view on the on the prospects of Apple. So fair to say that one uh, that one came good. The, the other one I wanted to talk about was Netflix. Mm. Now ubiquitous in the homes of uh, of millions and millions of people around the world. I think 193 million paid subscribers in more than 190 countries. Now prior to Netflix uh, dominating streaming television, I'm not sure if you can remember this, but it was a DVD rental mm-hmm. by mail company. Mm-hmm. You remember about that? Yeah. They were taking yeah. on, they were taking on a big, a big company Blockbuster. called Blockbuster. Exactly right. Mm. And in 2000, uh, there was a little bit of an impasse. Uh, Netflix executives met with Blockbuster and offered to sell the company for fifty million dollars, which Blockbuster then refused. And as we all know, in 2010, I think it was, Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy and closed 5,600 stores. Mm. So lots and lots of underdog tales from the world of business, but just a couple there to um, to highlight. And again, we're talking about the parallels between, you know, your Apples and your Netflixes with Collingwood's win on the weekend against West Coast Alex. And with the Blockbuster Netflix story, it does beg the question what happened to name a game. Is that still going? Name a game because, no. or do they do they transfer to a streaming <laughs> kind of platform? I mean, I remember you could name a game yep. and you get the VHS sent to you. And even as recently as 2010, I remember the grand final. I remember rushing, rushing mm. to JB Hi-Fi to get the Premiership DVD on the Sunday after the game, hungover. Um, with the WEG art on the front cover of the DVD. Oh, yeah. And that was kind of the final stages of hard copy, you know, in the kind of lineage of Hot Shots and Dacos Magic. Having a hard copy of your heroes was always the done thing, Damo. Sadly, I have uh, an update for you on that, Alex. <clears throat> As of May 31, 2018, uh, the Name a Game DVD service has ceased operation. Uh. Um, unfortunately, it was put down to customer viewing habits. Um, so very sadly, uh, from June 30 in 2018, uh, Name a Game is no longer, of course, it was established in the early 90s, I believe, mm. um, and had a database of more than 3,000 VFL, AFL games, I think dating back over 50 years. I think it was a server. Well, you could pick round two, 1976. Um, 
but the owners beyond home entertainment unfortunately just uh, just couldn't find a way of, of of taking that service into the into the future uh, so sadly we do commiserate um, the end of uh, name a game something we all we all remember very vividly mm-hmm. they should uh they should make a comeback because it's impossible to find um you know I wanted to relive the 2010 season during the lockdown when it first started and i thought well footy's off so i'll watch the 2010 season from scratch Mm. and it was impossible to find any games anywhere Mm. uh outside of the grand final uh so they should i mean maybe we should apply hard um get the naming rights and bring it back as a streaming service al yeah i reckon if you think about it perhaps the people taking it into the next generation uh, possibly, in fact, the next generation. I don't know who runs <laughs> Collingwood Clips on Instagram, but they're doing mm. a massive service to Collingwood supporters around the nation, around the world, because Collingwood Clips, check it out on Instagram, is uploading brilliant um, kind of themed uh, s- clips, obviously, of old Collingwood games um, to give you a little taste of some of these incredible moments over the years, over many years. I mean, it's got stuff from the 90s. It's got stuff from the noughties. It's got stuff from more recent times. But I think maybe that's where it's at now. It's just like a – I know that in cricket they've got the same thing, Robolinda 2. Robolinda 2, if anyone's interested in cricket, is the guy on uh, YouTube who takes all this incredibly you know rare old footage and he – actually uploads it and it does a massive service because the powers that be don't seem to be that interested in maintaining the archive, which is a great shame. Mm. Huge, mm. huge shout out to a uh, friend of the pod, Collingwood Clips. Um, actually, it's phenomenal you say that, Al, because it's extraordinary. We know from running the Pie Hard Instagram account and we post, what, every second day just how just how rigorous and... and um, it's just insane the work hours are required just to um just to spit out a post every third every third tuesday but i tell you what the guys at collingwood clips i don't know how they do it i don't know where they get it from Mm. i don't know i don't know what their better their life partners think of their um their exploits down in the basement um with the with the uh the big screen and the well, it's definitely going to be on tape, isn't it? It's going to be on the old school tape, like a like a theatre. Oh, sprawling but, basement with archives, like a library, um, rows upon rows. Howard Hughes type setup mm. uh, down there in the basement. But shout out to the Collingwood Football Club. If you are not seriously considering Collingwood Clips for a life membership at the end of this year, mm-hmm. uh, you wow, you need to get your priorities. You need to get your priorities straight. Maybe it's Magpie Mark behind it. Could could well be. It, it's that it's that level of Collingwood love and admiration that we love on Pie Hard. That's, I mean, I'm just looking at it now. It's it's it is literally in, insane. There's Robbie Armat. Oh yes. Who else have we got? Maybe uh, there was maybe a, there was a whole in. week of Didac. Yeah, naturally. I saw that. That was great. Maybe they just built a programming system where they can just punch in a player's name into a supercomputer, and it just gives them a clip of all their goals. It's 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 and quite it's just phenomenal. run by a robot. Maybe it's like you know, Krang. Is it Krang in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Like the brain in the mm. glass, but it's Alan McAllister's brain, uh, mm. which is controlling this archive of incredible Collingwood, uh, you know, history. And just dishing it out mm. um, willy all, nilly through Instagram. It's all done from the spa at Vic Park. <laughs> yes, the spa. It is, is. <laughs> Collingwood Clips is the new Netflix. Okay, well, uh, that was uh, greatest upsets of all time. I think that segment went a little bit better than I actually thought. Um, so, congratulations, gentlemen. I think you did you did an excellent job uh, with the research on that one. But what we want to do now is we want to shift the narrative pivot look forward not back so it's time that we do a very special pie hard semi hard preview mm. now i want to throw to you alex again keeping in the liquid um kind of uh free flowing style of pie hard tell us what has got you most excited about this week's game against old foe and punching bag, 
the Geelong Cats on Saturday night up at Gabba this time. Yes, Damien. Well, it's a big occasion, as every final always is. And I must say the Collingwood Army will be approaching it with, I think, a different attitude this week. I think that we have seem to have the wood over Geelong in these big games. We match up well on them. Personally, I think they're overrated. I think besides their kind of top five players, they've got a pretty average middle rung. But what am I excited about mm. the most? Well, I touched on it earlier, and I'm going to call it the woods. Growing up, I always loved it when supporters around me, most people say, can't buys. Occasionally you get one. They're usually old school. They've got a singlet, skinny arms, faded denim, um, you know, they, they look like a smacky usually, and they go, ah, the woods. And I've always loved the woods. <laughs> and the woods is my my phrase for the tall pies. Just like actual an actual forest, we have five players mm-hmm. over 200 centimetres, and they're investing me with all kinds of belief and confidence. We've got Darcy mm-hmm. Cameron, uh, big swing Darcy. We've got Darcy the gazelle. We've got Brody the barista. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Jordan Ruffhead, who doesn't have a nickname. And, um, of course, we've got the big one-eyed Cox. And I just can't wait to see them come in and smother mm. their aerial dominance all over Stanley mm. and Blixarves and Hawkins, for that mm. matter. I mean, I think that Moore's athleticism um, versus Big Tomahawk is lip-smacking. So that's what I'm looking mm. forward to. I'd like to continue this... Um, run of aggressive football that we've put together last weekend. And I'd like to see if our tools can come out come out to play again. What about you, Tebo? Oh, look, I mean, Geelong, you know, the motive, I mean, we're going to be running on fumes anyway. So <laughs> as long as we just carry that over from last week, uh, I feel like uh, Geelong, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure you guys are the same, you know, West Coast in Perth. Ah, uh, you know, gives, gives me goosebumps and you know lots of fear and everything Geelong and Brisbane oh yeah cool all right we should do this mm-hmm. um no no not just tomahawk gross salad <laughs> ablet like gross. man they're just such a boring team like they're the most boring team in the league they and the team you team. don't want to watch and you know and yeah they're going to lose again and they're going to be knocked out of the finals and everyone and it's because it's just Geelong and that's just what they do so Bring on Toodle, whoever we play after that, uh, Brisbane, I guess. So at least Brisbane's, like, interesting. Don't you think that um, Gary Ablett Jr. is the the next the next AFL player who's just really just set for a post-career blowing out? I mean, he, out, he looks yeah. like he's going to get real fat <laughs> real quick. And yeah, they're not gonna they're not yeah. gonna call in the little master for too much longer after he hangs up the boots. <laughs> let's let's hope that fattening out starts on Sunday because that would be a good indication that um we've come over the top of them. And of course we all like to see Selwood lose. He's been a champion of the game, but he's a ducker, and I'm not gonna apologize for disliking the way he plays. Dangerfield, he's a popular type. Don't mind Dangerfield. No one minds Dangerfield. Um, an aggressive player on the field. He's got a bit of a sense of humour off it. He's from Moggs Creek. We love Moggs Creek. Oh, Moggs Creek. The Hawk, as you said, gross. Big shoulders, sunken eyes, a little bit gross. <laughs> but, um, look, we've got more than enough talent to match up on them. I just think oh. we've still got room for improvement. You know, I think the Trelaw, Cox, you know, all the Dugowie, all these guys are just kind of coming into it after sound like Buckley. You know, having an interrupted season, you know. I did hear that you Buckley... Sound like, you sound um, like the coach. Someone did some lip reading, apparently, mm. of the vision on the ground directly after the siren where Bucks comes on, he's hugging players. And apparently, I couldn't lip read it myself, but apparently he was saying, first of four. Well, that's one out of four, boys. Like, wow. Apparently You're he said to it repeatedly like yeah. to a whole different... And that kind of feeds in with the narrative that Damo was mentioning earlier of of the Collingwood Football Club kind of keeping their powder dry and waiting for this big momentous opportunity in finals to suddenly find form. Um, mm-hmm. If we just come at, come at the game with anything like the attitude and start to build some of that um, that belief we did in the first quarter against West Coast, we're looking like a very good chance against the handbags. 
I want to try and keep this one positive because uh, of the feedback we received from George earlier on in the show. But mm-hmm. look, what's what's got me really excited is I think we've finally sorted out the issues with our game plan. Um, thanks indeed and in part to uh, former Pi recruiter and firebrand Matt Rantel, mm-hmm. who uh, some people call the comments scathing. I don't think that the comments were scathing at all. He... He started by listing a couple of players um, that he felt had regressed and gone backwards under the uh, tutelage of one Nathan Buckley and uh, took it upon himself to point out some some issues with Collingwood's game plan uh, that we've all seen in, in, previous, uh, in previous rounds. Lots of backwards handballing, uh, handballing to get out of trouble, no kicking, no fast ball movements, not giving our forwards first opportunity. We sorted that out and it was brilliant to see. And the fruits, the fruits of that game plan were evident. Normally in finals, they tend to, um, they, they tend to turn back into a, a defensive sludge type game plan where it's just like, just stop the scoring. Um, but I think it's fair to say across all of the games in the first week of finals, we saw a very exciting um, brand of football from all teams and they should be commended. Mm-hmm. But look, I do have, I do have a slight concern now as we're, as we've all touched on and you've read the lead up to the Perth game was perfect for Collingwood. We had the underdog status as we've touched on. And then there was literally an assault from the people of Western Australia against Collingwood uh, from being called dirty pies to quarantine to caravans to cane. Mm. We amassed an amount of ammo that every player could draw upon. And surely in the back rooms of, of uh, the twin waters or wherever the team was at that point, there was significant whiteboard markers up with like all of these comments and commentary and the back page of the West Australian, one of the worst newspapers going around just to motivate the players. Now it's clear that that was, you know, a tool that Nathan Buckley used and the players were very quick after the game to seek retribution for, um, for a couple of the comments. I know Nathan Buckley had sent a cheeky, albeit um, text to, to Rantel and Pendlebury and a bunch of other players had, had called out, Eddie Maguire had called out the, the comments by, what's his name? We won't mention his name on the show. The uh, Jaw. Port Adelaide player. Mm, the the Jaw. Jaw. Yeah. Roger Ramjet. Um, but my concern is going into this week, it's been a little bit light on in terms of motivation. I don't know if you guys have any, um, any suggestions on how we can combat the lack of spite and hate mm. that's kicking around the media at the moment when it comes to the Collingwood Football Club, Al? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we need a narrative is what we need. We need a narrative big time because as we could see from last week, when we have a narrative to run with, a theme uh, to galvanise the group around, we play very well. And here's my suggestion. Stick with me on this. We need to plant some fake news about Collingwood. <laughs> Piehard needs to get get deep on the dark web, down on 4chan, <laughs> and plant <laughs> a conspiracy theory about Collingwood. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm thinking it'll go like this. Collingwood is run by the Illuminati. Mm, we know that. We know this because of the Pies Wide Shut Wastelets Mansion mm. with the orgies. Mm. Mm. If we can just find a way to get, get on the dark web and smear the Collingwood Football Club, position it as a puppet club of the privileged elite, you'll never guess who's going to mm. latch on to that information and suddenly we'll be driving down a road outside of Geelong with the, uh, the dash cam pointed towards himself giving a tirade about the Illuminati. You guessed it, Gary Ablett Sr. Mm. <laughs> We're going to plant a conspiracy, <laughs> yes. theme, a conspiracy mm. theory. Gary Ablett mm. Sr. is going to pick it up on the internet and it's going to blow up all over the Geelong advertiser. Mm. Of course, that's going Collingwood hates God. That's right. And anti Collingwood is the Antichrist. Collingwood is run by the Illuminati. <laughs> of course, Bucks is going to draw upon our never-say-die working-class heritage in order to combat this, this new narrative peddled by Gary Ablett Sr. 
and in so doing, strengthening the Collingwood team's resolve to end Senior's son's career. Very, very elaborate. I like where you went with that. I think there's. I, I think that we've solved it. I think that's the. Um, I think that's the way in. I think we've got a willing accomplice in uh, Gary Ablett Senior, who would be more than happy to uh, espouse some uh, tin pot, tin hat diatribe once more uh, in a car. We've just got to have a word to him to kind of keep it a bit brief because he does tend to ramble on. Yeah. We don't want us to go for more than like 20 minutes, okay? We know gabbing about God, whatever. But just the last one, just it kept on going. And, yeah, and I, I think not I like this podcast, like, just keep it to a minimum. I got to about 35 minutes and I was like, I can't believe I've just wasted 35 minutes of my weekend. <laughs> yeah. But um, he believes it. And so good luck. He'd be, no, down. He'd be no, no good on Snapchat. <laughs> Uh, dear. Okay, well, I think that is a natural conclusion to what was a pretty blockbuster semi uh, semi final preview pod, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining. Um, semi hard. Yeah, I hope you uh, I hope you get some sleep ahead of uh, Saturday, Al. I'm not sure what I'm going to cook on the night. Um, I went with a very lazy approach last time. I remember it was that very mm. warm Saturday, and mm. in keeping with that kind of laconic, who's the guy? Hello. Is it me? Oh, Lionel Richie. Lionel Richie, laconic, languid, mm. happy 2010 premiership vibe. I was very trying mm. to be very relaxed on Saturday. And this Saturday, I'm not sure what the weather holds, but um, let's hope that um, all Pie Hard listeners can really settle in and just enjoy a good spanking of the pussycats. Yeah. Turbo, any last thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I guess we'll see everyone next week because uh... – We'll win and we'll have to do another pod. Unlike last week's uh, late call of the uh, last pod by you, Damo, which was very disrespectful to our Yeah, I I heard about that. I did get some feedback on that one. (laughs) Thank you, of course, to everyone out there in Pyland for listening. As always, we are nothing without you guys. We'd love to hear from you, even if it's negative. Let us know what you're cooking Saturday night in lockdown mm. let us know what uh what dish would uh would accompany a pies win mm. uh, maybe send in recipes the best ones we'll share on our socials but Good. we'd love to hear from you mm. this is pie hard